Well, good morning. My name is Brett Weston. For those of you that are new with us, uh, welcome. I'm uh, one of the pastors here and also the church planting resident. So my family and I will be starting a new church out of Deer Creek in about a year from now. And I just, I know we keep talking about it, but I just want to say uh, yesterday was awesome service day. Uh, I heard from the Foothills Parks Department, they said they were able to purchase 20% more uh, playground equipment for that neighborhood because we chipped in and, and helped work. So they definitely uh, appreciated that. And we were the, yes, please, that's great. So we were definitely the, the hands and feet of Jesus, loving that community, people noticed. And uh, speaking of notice, I noticed some of you are still wearing your purple shirts, so hopefully you washed them. Uh, but it was a great day. So I encourage if you missed that, uh, we have several opportunities throughout the year for you to join us uh, in service. Well, we're currently in a series called The New You, and we're talking about uh, things that you might want, I might want, probably many of us at some point have wanted, and that's a new you. And if you missed the last couple of weeks, I'd encourage you to uh, find those sermons on our website, on our Facebook page, uh, and watch or listen to those. We're, we're looking at what the Bible has to say about having a new you. And we discovered that we can't have a new you by just having new stuff, a new car, a new home, new relationship, even a new start in life, that uh, we can only have a new you by getting new life through Jesus entered into by faith in him alone. And last week, we talked about how as part of that new life, we have a new home. We're a part of what the Bible calls the kingdom of God. And with that comes comfort in this life right now, and it also comes with a commission to share that comfort with others. And so this morning, uh, we're gonna be talking about another part of having a new you, and that is that those who have entered into new life with Christ, in addition to having new life, new home, we have a new community. And that community has a new unity to it. And as I, as I say that, unity is in short supply nowadays, isn't it? It seems like everywhere we look, there's, there's disunity, there's chaos, there's, there's incivility. And if you're anything like me, you have a heavy heart as you listen to current events. I have one of those apps on my phone that's constantly pushing me the news, constantly pushing me bad news. And so I check it all day. I should probably delete the dumb thing. Uh, I'm not addicted to it. I just need it to get through my day. But... <laughs> If you're like me, you're just constantly being pushed. Even without this thing in my pocket, I would be confronted daily with the disunity and the chaos in our world. Everywhere we look, it seems like there's political division, gender division, racial division. And I know it's wearing me out. I think it's wearing us as Americans out. And so if you're like me, one of your first questions might be what's going on. And the second question is, what do I do about it? Is the best I can do somehow to post something pithy on social media? Do I need to just pray more? Or do I just throw my hands up in helplessness and say, I can't do anything? Well, we're in church. So thankfully, uh, the Bible has some relevant answers, as you might expect. Not, not, just to, not just to the division and, and chaos and incivility, but, but it has an answer to kind of all that, all that mess. And it's very surprising. And uh, you don't want to know what the answer is? Yes, 
Some of you do, some of you don't. The answer is be in here together. Kind of surprising. I know it surprises me. So what is the Bible's answer? One of the answers to the division, the chaos, the incivility, the brutality we see is be in this space, be in here together. But it's not for the reason that we might think. And that's what we're going to look at this morning, that part of having a new you means having a new community. And there's a unique purpose that God has for that community. See, as, as, as Christians, if that, if that describes you, we, not, we don't have this rhythm just of busyness and boredom that we often feel. We have this rhythm of scattering and gathering. So we scatter as the people of God into our respective spheres. And then we gather this morning. Yesterday was an example of us being the church, the people of God scattered into a neighborhood that we care about. And people noticed, people said it, they said, hey, this is our space. This is where we play and where we live. And you guys are coming into that. Thank you so much. So we scatter. But today we gather. On a Sunday we gather. So I'll start with the question, why, why are we here? And uh, I'm not asking that in the philosophical sense. I'm not that smart, I'm not that deep. You probably are, but I'm not. So I'm literally talking about why are we here? Why are we in this space? Why do we do it? It's hard to be in here. It's hard to be in this community on a Sunday morning. So even this morning, I'm driving to here and, and people are walking their dogs, they're going on family bike rides. I pass people sitting on their porches and I'm a pastor and that's hard. I'm like, oh, okay, I'm be in this space. It's all right. In Colorado, it's weird to spend 1% of your week inside sitting down, right? And if you have kids, you know, it's especially hard to get in here, to be in here. So I know my Sunday mornings, it's, it's kind of like, you know, everything's just rainbows and unicorns and it's going awesome. And, and then it's, well, I announce it's time to go to church. It's like, we go to church 51 weeks out of the year. Is this really the 50, we're really going to go today? It's hard. So why do we do it? So maybe it's your first time here. Maybe after this, it's your last time here. Maybe you come every week, who knows? But if I were to ask you that question, why are we here? I'd probably get different answers. Some of us would answer the question, why am I here with, I want answers. I, I came here to figure out this Jesus thing. I came here to, find, to figure out who Jesus is. Some of us would answer, I wanna learn more about the Bible or I want to grow in this area or I wanna grow in that area. Some of us would answer, I don't know, but I know it's good to be here. I've always been here. I've kind of grown up doing this thing. I don't know why I'm here. I want to be with my friends. Great reasons to be here. But if we're honest, we could probably do a lot of those things outside of this place, right? We could probably do a lot of those things outside of our weekend, and we should. But here's a switch. What if... The reason to gather on a Sunday morning in what we call church isn't just for us in here. What if gathering here week after week is a way to help our hurting world, to help with the division and the brutality and incivility that plagues us? What if the love that we show each other when we're gathered and not just the love we show to others when we're scattered matters greatly in the world that we live in? You see, you could say how we scatter and how we gather really matters. 
That seems to be how the Bible describes one of the many reasons why a community like this exists, why a community like this gathers. You see, a lot of times we, I, think that gathering as a church is only for us to grow, only to help me grow. And it is. But really, the purpose is to grow and show. Yes, it exists to help us who are in here grow closer and deeper in our life with each other, in our life with Jesus. But it also exists to show those who come into this place more clearly who Jesus is and what his love is like. So this community helps us grow and show. I know that's cheesy. I'll pause. You can tweet that out. You can take credit for it if you want to. I don't care. But let's look at what the Bible has to say about this. Let's look at more of what the Bible has to say about why we gather together, what the purpose is. So if you have a Bible, you turn to John chapter 17. The book of John was written by an apostle who wasn't really good at coming up with creative names for books, you know, just John. But he was actually closest to Jesus. He was actually one of Jesus' closest friends. So Jesus knows he's about to be arrested and crucified. And this is what he wants to say to some of his closest friends. John 17, verse 11, Jesus is praying to God the Father and he says this. He says, I will remain in the world no longer, but they, the 11 disciples, are still in the world and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. That's many of us in this room. That's what I love about this passage. That all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Now, those of you that aren't following along probably thought I just read the same two passages, got lost and kept reading it over and over again. He keeps saying it. I want them to be one as we are one so that they may know, so that the world may know. So this passage tells us two things, and this is where we're going this morning. It tells us two things. One, where our unity as a community comes from. Those, those who have found new life in Christ, we gather, we're a community, we have this unity. Where does that come from? And the second thing this passage tells us is what the purpose of that unity is. And understanding those two things, where does our unity come from and why? What's the purpose of it? I believe is vital to Christians understanding and truly living out the Christian faith as God intended. So one, where does our, where does our unity come from and why does that matter? Very simply, the unity of the community of people who believe in Jesus, who have found new life in him, comes from God himself. We learn from other parts of scripture that God is one God existing in three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. One God in three persons. And that kind of bends our minds. We don't think that way. We don't exist that way. When Jesus prays this, he prays, I ask also for those who will believe in me that they may all be one, even as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that the world may believe that you sent me. Jesus is saying that those people 
who believe in him will be a community of people who participate in the unity, participate in the love of God himself through their relationship with Jesus. And because God loves us and gave his life for us, we are able to love one another. We are able to live in unity as he does. And because that is eternal, nothing can take that away. Nothing can take the unity that a community like this has, nothing can take it away. Because it doesn't come from barbecues and picnics and small groups. It doesn't even come from a service day like yesterday. Great things. But it comes from the unchangeable unity and the unchangeable love of God himself. Our unity doesn't come from being the same. We're all actually pretty different. Our unity doesn't come from living in the same locality. It doesn't even come from agreeing on minute points of theology. That's not what unifies a community like this. Those are forms of unity that are good, they're okay, but they're arrived at. They're attained, they're produced sometimes. The unity that we have comes from the one God, one faith, one Lord, one savior, one baptism. Why does that matter? It matters because now we know that no matter how we look and act in here, because we don't get it right, but we know, and we'll talk about that later, we know that, that, that unity is not something we have to focus on getting, it's something we have to focus on growing. It's not something we don't have that we need to focus on getting. It's something that we have we need to focus on growing. And if you're ready for some more good news, here it is. We don't lose our God-given unity when we fail in here. We don't lose our God-given unity when we're messy in here. When you think about it, it's kind of like a family. And a family is one of the metaphors that God uses to describe a community of people who have put their faith in him, who have found new life in him. It's like a family. So my wife and I, we have six kids. So six kids, two adults, do the math. There's nine people in our family. I'm just kidding. Eight people in our family. And, and honestly, sometimes it feels like we're eight Wolverines in a phone booth and somebody tosses in a single slice of bacon. And that's on a Sunday morning. That's this morning. But the reality is we're, we're not, a, we're, we don't have unity as the Weston family because we have a family game night or we live in the same house or heaven forbid we dress alike. We never do that. We never would. And I encourage you not to ever do that either. But we have unity because we're a family and nobody can take that away. Now, other places in the Bible describe our unity as the unity of a body. And when it does that, it's not talking about a Plato figurine where we make each part separately and then put them together. When it talks about our unity as a body, it talks about us being a recreated body in Christ, created in Christ, as a body, all parts working in unity from the moment of conception, from the moment that we are born again in new life in Christ. Now there's things that can detract from that unity. There's things that can make us forget that we have that, but nothing can take it away. And that's important because the unity in here should look very different than the unity of a community that, that doesn't have 
the love of Christ, that doesn't have new life in Christ, that's striving to attain unity. So if that's the case, if the unity in here is different, then it should have a greater and more glorious purpose. The unity of this community inside these walls should have a purpose. And that's exactly what we see. So going back to John chapter 17, verse 23, it tells us the purpose. Jesus says he wants his people to become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. Isn't that great? That God gives his people, he gives us a unity that's not just to build a campfire and sing songs and be a closed group on a Sunday morning. Unity is not the goal. But the goal is a hurting world seeing Jesus, believing in Jesus, and knowing that he loves them unconditionally as we love each other. That's the goal of our unity in this space. See, my plan for people to know Jesus is often to share about Jesus one-on-one. God's plan is for the church to show the love of Jesus by the many living as one. Sharing Jesus one-on-one is great. We need to do that out of love and compassion. We show Jesus, we share about Jesus one-on-one, but we show Jesus by the many living as one. That's his plan. When I was working uh, in China, our family was was in China, there was a a guy in my office. He was a young young guy and he was a Chinese uh, guy. I found he was a Christian. And uh, I didn't know any other Christians of the people I worked with. Uh, in China. And so I asked him, I said, how did you become a Christian? And he said, well, I love the NBA. Did nothing for me. Doesn't help. He said, well, I had this American friend and we would play basketball together one-on-one. And at the end of our time, he would tell me about Jesus. Wow, that's great. And that's how you came to know Jesus. No, I was never interested in that. Well, how did you come to, to know Jesus? He said, well, one day, this American invited me to play basketball with, with 10 or 12 of his, his friends. Well, they all happened to be Christians. And uh, this young man, his name was Jazz. That's what he called himself, his, his English name. And so Jazz was amazed when he started playing with these guys. He watched these guys. Every time they would foul somebody, they, they, they'd come and say, are you okay? Yeah, I'm all right, man. Okay, sorry about that. They'd encourage each other after a bad shot. They would celebrate with each other after they made a great play. So so Jazz had to know what was up with these people. Why were they acting like this? So rather than asking, he decided to foul one of them really hard. So he drives the lane, cuts the guy's legs out from him, gets him on the concrete. Guy pops up, the team gathers on, asks Jazz if he's okay. What? So he did it again, fouls another guy. Same thing happened. He was stunned. And so afterwards he asked, he said, what is up with you guys? Why are you acting like this? And they said, you know, we're all followers of Jesus and we just want to show his love you know, on and off the court. And he said, ah, that's what I want to know. I want to know Jesus. And they walked him through the gospel and he became a Christian. He had so many times one-on-one and that's great. Probably planted seeds, probably. But seeing this community and how they acted was what showed him the love of Jesus. You see, our unity, our love for each other, even the messy, hurting, broken one another that we are, 
because you're not locking eyes with somebody in this church who's not messy and who's not broken. So our unity and love for other, each other, that is our witness that the gospel is true and powerful. It is our witness to God's grace and what he can do with messiness and brokenness in a community. See, if people meet with us one-on-one as believers, that's great. They'll get a certain amount of the message. They'll get, they'll get the words, they'll see your life and that's awesome. But they're not gonna get the fullest picture of what God's grace can do in a broken humanity through us scattered. They'll see that as we gather. That's the purpose. As we rehearse the dying to self and the living to Christ in this place, if we consider each other's better than ourselves, if we share what we have, if we pray for one another. 1 Corinthians 12, 26 says, if one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. And if we live with that unity in here and people who don't know that Jesus loves them come in and see that, they're gonna ask, they're gonna say, who are you people? And we can say, no, who is our God? And we can point the world to a God who is bigger than division, bigger than brutality and chaos. And we can point the world to a way that is better than being divided by how we treat each other in this community. That's why we're here. That's why we gather. That's why we need more churches to be planted where there are not churches. We need to be in our communities, our neighborhoods. They need us out there scattered, but they need us in here too. Isn't that interesting? The world, the broken world needs us to gather in here. Now here's a sobering reality. I gave you some good news. Hopefully you won't forget that. But here's the sobering reality that those in this room who may not be Christ followers, I hope that you feel welcome here, but you've seen us do this very poorly. You have sometimes had a front row seat to the church not loving each other, maybe not loving you very well. I know there's also Christians in this space who have been through some pretty ugly and hurtful things in the church in communities, maybe this one, hopefully not, but communities like this one. See, here's the problem. The problem is that even though we have this unity from God through Jesus, I am the one, we are the ones who mess that up. We don't live like it. I don't, we don't live in this space, sometimes much different than those outside of these walls that we like to condemn so much. It's like the bumper sticker that says, I love Jesus, but hate all of his friends. It's kind of of reality. The reality is that even though we have this unity from God, those of us inside these walls are in the exact same predicament as those outside these walls. We all need grace. We all need the gospel. So what do we do? How do we grow into this unity that we've been given, that we have? from God? How do we show others Jesus and his love? There's three things I want to encourage us to do as a community. Hopefully there are three uh, simple things that we can do to live out our purpose as the gathered church of showing and sharing who Jesus is, of growing and showing together. Three simple things. I think they are show up. I know that one will be quick. Show up, 
pray and invite. First one, show up, be in this space. Unity starts with showing up. Those of you that are joining us on our live stream kind of missed this one already. I'm just kidding. Uh, you are with us. We feel you. You're a part of our community and we love you. Show up. No matter where you are on your faith journey, don't go it alone. You don't need to. You have a new community. Blow up that average of, of, of two out of eight Sundays for Coloradans. Kind of makes you proud, doesn't it? Two out of eight Sundays for, for coming to church. It's, we got stuff, you know, I understand. But show up. That's the easy part, show up. Second, pray. Ask God for a couple things. Pray a couple things this week. Ask God and, and, and be honest. It, ask him, are there ways that I am not helping grow my church in unity? If you really are brave, you could ask someone else. But ask God, he's not gonna crush you and condemn you. Ask in prayer, God, is there ways that I am not contributing to unity? in my community. If there are, confess that to God, possibly confess it to others if you need to, and claim the unity that you already have in Christ through his forgiveness on the cross. Isn't that great? That's what we do when we, we mess up. Confess. See, sometimes we think if we're not unified in here, we have to have more events, when in reality, we just have to repent. You could tweet that out too, that's fine. I'm just kidding. I don't know why I keep wanting you to tweet stuff. But that's kind of our go-to, right? Oh, we're not unified in this place. We have to have another event. No, we probably just need to repent of some things. And God's going to help you through that. His spirit is going to walk you through that. Second, pray that God would give you opportunities to contribute to this community growing in unity. So ask him to reveal ways that you're not. Ask him to reveal ways that you can. A good place to start this week if you're wanting something to read, Philippians 2, 1 through 8. We're going to start it at, at verse 2, but Philippians 2, 1 through 8 gives us kind of a roadmap of what it looks like to grow in unity. It would be a great passage to read and meditate on this week. It says this, Philippians 2, starting in, in verse 2, the second part of that says, make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. Not looking only to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. What was that? Verse 6 tells us, Who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Verse 14 goes on to say, do everything without grumbling or arguing. Or as I like to say, be humble and don't grumble. What happens when we do that? Well, verse 15 goes on. So that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. Do we want to shine in this generation? This tells us how. Pray that God would give us the same attitude as Jesus himself. Jesus didn't only love and die for easy to love people. 
He didn't just put up with sinners. He died for them. He served in the ultimate way. He didn't just tolerate people who were hard to love. He gave his life for them. And that is something that the divided, incivil, brutal world doesn't get to see that often. They don't get to see this. So show up, pray. The third way we can live out our purpose as a community is to invite. Invite others into this place. See, if we live like this, if we get it, if we grow in unity, that's great, but nobody's gonna get to see it unless we invite others in. And it can be scary to invite someone to church. It's scary for me to tell people I'm a pastor. I usually just tell them I work at Starbucks. I don't, I, I proudly say I'm a pastor. But I'm scared to invite people to church sometimes. I think there's this risk of making the relationship awkward or seeming like a wacko or a religious nut. And the good news is that never goes away. But we still need to invite. But the more we invite, the more that becomes a rhythm, the more we get used to it. So if you're nervous to invite someone into this place to, to see God's love, pray. Pray that God would give you opportunities. Say, God, I... I wanna invite my neighbor, help it to come up in conversation. I don't know how to do that. Or better yet, pray that someone else will invite them. <laughs> Lord, I pray that Susie would invite my neighbor to church because I don't want to. <laughs> prayer is prayer, folks, totally valid. But pray for people in your life, pray for opportunities, pray for encounters with people that you can invite to church. And if they don't like it, you can blame us, the pastors. They'll say, oh, that was a terrible Sunday. I'm never going back there. But hey, do you want to come with me to this other church this Sunday? Blame us. We're fine with it. But what I think will happen, my guess is what will happen, is they will come into this place. They will see the love of Jesus as the many act as one. They'll see something different. I think that is what will happen. Hopefully they will see the love of Jesus among messy and broken people like me, like you, and they will say, yeah, something's different in this place. And as communities like that, as communities like this are planted in every city in Colorado and around the world, and we invite others into that, people will see a way of unity, a way of love, rather than division, chaos, and brutality. They will see Jesus more clearly than ever before. And that is one of the great purposes of our community. That's one of the great purposes of churches planted out of this place. The purpose of this community is to show the love of Jesus more clearly than ever before. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that nothing can take away the unity that you've given us. Lord, if an event fails, if it doesn't come together, if we wanna to try to attain a unity, Lord, that's, that's in vain. You have given us your people, your unity. You have invited us into that through Jesus by faith alone. And that's something that we can never lose. that can never be taken away. So Father, would you pour out your spirit on this place? Would you grow us in unity? Help us to repent, starting with myself, of the ways that, that we have maybe caused division. And would you show us opportunities to come and pray and invite. And as we take that small trembling step of faith, would you bring more people into this place to see your love 
And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen.